heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to Another edition of Freaky Friday, where we tell your odd but true stories. Today is Friday, December 29th, 2023, and it is the last Friday in a year that I'm sure so many are glad to be over. But uh, what will 2024 bring? That's up to us, I guess. It's up to us. It's up to a lot of things. And I hope for many, 2024 is significantly better than this year was. And I hope that everyone was able to find some joy, a lot of joy, closure, whatever you needed this year to bring you. I hope that it did. And going into this new year that we all have a sense of what we want out of this next year and how we can, you know, better ourselves and help better society. No, for sure. I think it's a, it's always a good time to count your blessings, especially looking on what's going on in the world and saying, you know, not everybody is as fortunate as we are and what can we do? And, and I hope everybody has found that in themselves in whatever way it helps you to, to feel like you're moving the ball forward for yourself, for your community and for the international world community that we're all a part of. But that is what uh, some of the magic of storytelling can do, whether it's uh, stories people tell on social media or on the news or to people that they know, you know, individuals. And that's what we have today is a whole lineup of stories from you. And that's what Freaky Friday is all about, is sharing your voice, y'all. So thank you for sharing it with us these past 12 months. We hope you do it ongoing. Yeah, we hope that the next 12 months brings even more stories from all of you because, it's one of our favorite things we do now. Most definitely. I, I love that we have found a way to uh, to open the door for people to go, boy, I never, I wouldn't have thought of that in a hundred years, mm-hmm. but I, it kicked this memory open in my head because uh, that's always such a, it's a thrill for me whenever I, I read y'all stories or in research or whatever going, man, I hadn't thought about that teacher in a million years. Or I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about that guy or I hadn't thought about that neighborhood in forever uh, because uh, our lives, man, like you said, what is time? We always say that time's a flat circle. Sometimes it feels like it goes by in an instant and other times things feel like they drag on unending ending in forever. So it's crazy to be able to kind of go back and visit things that have happened to us and around us. And that's what this is all about. That is what this is all about. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. Well, this first one is from Slade and it is called My Soldier Was Murdered by His Wife's Boyfriend. Hello, ladies. My wife, Randy, she, her, introduced me to your show. And well, I think y'all are just great. Thank you for the many laughs and for inspiring me to share a troubling story. This story received national news attention, so all the names are public knowledge. In January of 2019, I got the call that my soldier, Sergeant Tyrone Hassel III, was murdered in an apparent random drive-by shooting as he was bringing in food from his car for a New Year's Eve family get-together. His wife ran to his side as he lay dying with their family, including their newborn son, in the house. A tragic scene doubled by the fact the brigade had just returned from deployment, and this was the first chance for leave the soldiers had since getting back. I got the call, and as his platoon leader, I was ordered to clear him from the installation, gather and turn in his gear, and see to other unfortunate but necessary duties. Then the story turned from tragic to disgusting. Over the course of the year, it was uncovered that his wife had a boyfriend and via Snapchat had planned the murder together. It would look like a random murder. She would collect his $400,000 army life insurance policy and would get to be with her boyfriend, who was also a soldier. They were all in the same brigade, Sergeant Hassel, his wife, and his wife's boyfriend. Sergeant Hassel was a great soldier, a great dad, and a loving husband. He was betrayed by not only his sister-in-arms, but by his wife and the mother of his newly born child. Admittedly, I didn't know him extremely well. I had not been in the unit very long, but when talking to my platoon sergeant about which NCOs I could rely on, Sergeant Hassel's name came up first. 
He was a kind man who deserved a happy life. His death haunts me to this day due to how tragic it was and how it was my signature approving his leave form. I will always remember him and light candles in his name regularly to respect his life. Rest in peace, Tyrone Hassel III. You deserved so much better. Well, a beautiful memory from somebody I'm sure he deeply respected too. And Mm -hmm. don't ever beat yourself up for being the one to sign that leave form. That was a beautiful thing, you know, to to finally get to come back and say, oh, we get some time off together. You could not have known, Slade, what happened. But I understand that that's going to be a feeling that kind of sticks with you. Yeah, I did some research on this and man, $400,000 for the life for of life. your husband. Yeah, yeah and not just that, child. but they were all in the same brigade together. Yes. So they all knew each other. They all knew the ins and outs of army life and what that looked like. They just had this son. It uh, It is deeply troubling. His wife and the wife's boyfriend are in prison. Mm-hmm. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she is trying to appeal it. He may be as well. I I do remember reading that he um, one of his things in prison, and that he agree he would agree to like admit to some stuff if he got to sit down and speak with Tyrone's father. Wow, which is such so, a powerful thing to yeah. some of the you you included a link. Thank you that. Yeah, to be a father and have to endure that, but knowing that on the other side of it is maybe some closure or answers for you, but at least some justice for your son since it's, you know, part of that deal. But some of the confession that came through, I mean, it it showed a lot of self-awareness. Granted, he still got 60 to 90 years, which I think is well-deserved in kind of a murder for money, even though it's love and money kind of plot. But it's so hard for a dad to not only lose a son, but then you know, have to face the person that did it. But perhaps from that came some healing, hopefully. One of the most troubling things he admitted to his father was that it took about six times before he was able to go through with the plan, which when you think back on that, it's six different times Tyrone was being watched by this guy and his wife also knew. And there was coordinated efforts to end his life. And he's just living his life thinking everything's great with his newborn son, having Mm -hmm. no idea that unbeknownst to him, there is this murder for hire plot going on around him that unfortunately did come to fruition eventually. Right. And planning it on Snapchat. So, you know, your wife's picking up her phone on social media. You're like, oh, she's talking to a friend on social media, Mm -hmm. whatever, not knowing she is telling a gunman where and how to find you. So that's just, it's such a sick betrayal. And I'm really, I mean, we lost a, a great soldier. It sounds like a great person. And Slade, thank you for giving us a chance to be able to say his name again, remember him mm-hmm. and remember him as a, a wonderful, kind man uh, and a great dad and, and a loving husband who suffered this huge betrayal. Yeah. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one is from C, and it is called, I Was Followed Home, Real-Time Update. This happened 25 years ago, and every time I replay the events, I try to convince myself that I wasn't actually followed home, that it was all just a big misunderstanding. But the details in the timeline of this event speak for themselves. I was followed home from school. Here's my story. In the 90s, I walked a half mile home from school every day through the suburbs of Burbank, California. My walk was simple, straight down a block of houses, cross one major intersection, along the busy street for one block, and then half a block down my street. Picture a giant S. One particular day, as I was walking away from school down the long street of houses, a gold Ford Taurus wagon pulled up behind me and proceeded to drive very slowly very close to the curb alongside me. Now, I was not your normal third grader. I watched Unsolved Mysteries, and I daydreamed about telling off strangers in vans offering me candy, so I immediately clocked how close this car was to me. I briefly held on to the idea that the driver was just reading house numbers and was in town visiting a friend. 
But when the car continued alongside me past a fourth house, I knew something wasn't right. The car pulled away, drove a short distance up the street, made a U-turn, and parked on the opposite side of the road. I could see a man in the driver's seat watching me, waiting for me to come closer. As I passed his parked car on the opposite side of the street, he got out, waited for a moment, looked around, crossed the street towards me, and began walking behind me. I will never forget his matching navy blue sweatsuit, puffy brown hair, and an overgrown beard. He followed close enough for me to hear leaves crunching under his steps. I still had quite a way to go before I reached the main road, and there was no one else around us. My heart started racing as I realized that even if I could make it to the busy street before he caught up to me, the likelihood that the crosswalk would be clear at the exact moment I got to the corner was slim. And if it wasn't, I would have to stop and wait. I would be face to face with this man who had been following me for much longer than any grown man should be following a child. Before I reached the intersection, there was a small alleyway that separated the housing part of the street from the storefront that lined the busy intersection. By the strength and will of my guardian angel, a car was pulling down the alleyway just as I approached. This was my opportunity. I quickly ran across the alley and the car pulled out behind me, creating a barrier between me and the man. As luck would have it, the crosswalk sign came on exactly then, and I was able to run across the intersection without having to wait. When I made it across the street, I looked back towards the man. I watched the alley car pull away, revealing him still standing there, looking around, looking for me. I ran down the block as fast as I could. I had been taught that if you're ever followed home, you should not go to your house, so I stopped at my next-door neighbor's driveway. Hands on my knees, catching my breath, I felt hopeless as I realized none of their cars were there. And to my horror, the man was now at the top of my street, walking towards me again. As I began to cry, I heard a sweet voice call out from the window. See? Do you need help? It was Marjorie. Marjorie was the original owner of her house. She had known my dad as a child and watched him grow up. She had short gray hair and big plastic rimmed glasses. She had a slot machine in the back room and would give me a big gulp sized cup full of quarters to play when I came over. I shook my head and said, I don't think so. She brought me inside and I told her what had happened. The last thing I remember about this incident was my dad making me get in his car and drive back to where the man's car had been parked. I shrank down in my seat as I saw the man standing next to his car. That's him, dad. That's him. I cried. He told me I was safe and we drove away. Now, as I write this, my 34 year old brain can't accept that was just the end of the story. Did my parents just go on with their lives? Were the cops called? Why was I immediately allowed to walk home again? So I picked up the phone and called my dad. I have a complicated relationship with my dad. I love him, but I don't really know him. He was an angry and quiet man for most of my life. That's the simplest way I can put it. He had a job that I wasn't allowed to talk about. All I know is that it involved the union and a lot of undercover police looking cars with radios in them. I spent most of my childhood trying to stay out of his way and to avoid upsetting him. I would never have considered my dad to be protective over me. For the most part, he was uninvolved in my life, even though we lived in the same house. But just 15 minutes ago, when I asked him whatever came of that day, he let out a telling laugh. <laughs> well, he paused. After that day, you never walked home without at least three of my guys in unmarked cars watching you. They'd park along your route and tell me over the radio that you got home safely. I had about eight of my work buddies taking turns patrolling that area for weeks. They tracked that guy down. He was back a few days later. One of my guys approached him, asked him why he likes to hang out around elementary schools, and said if he ever came near you or any other kid again, it would be the last thing he did. Let's just say he didn't come around the school after that. For obvious and legal reasons, I didn't ask him to elaborate. Instead, we both just laughed a little. I thanked him. We exchanged love yous 
and hung up. And now I'm left with another complicated layer of my dad. Did he Liam Neeson that guy? How else was he protecting me that I wasn't aware of? How else was I tracked that I wasn't aware of? Surely I'll need to unpack this all in my next therapy session. But for now, I'm going to chalk it up to an act of love of a father to his daughter. And for a girl who was starved of love from her father, it's priceless. Well, you know what? We all have different love languages and maybe your dad's is Liam Neesoning. Like, you know, like it might be hard to say I love you or even do things or gifts or show up. But in that quiet way of like, I know one thing I can do. I can send some guys out there. <laughs> and it sounds like he did. See, I think your dad might be Tony Soprano. <laughs> Like, he had a union it. job and a bunch of guys in unmarked police cars with radios in them. I just imagine mm. this sweat-suited ass dumbass getting shoved up against a fence like, you like to hang out with little kids? You picked mm-hmm. the wrong one. Any of these kids around here, you'll never see the light of day again. I don't know why I'm doing that accent. I just, probably because of Tony Soprano. Yeah. But, Could uh, be. That's how I kind of envisioned it, too. But uh, I'm not mad about it. I no. If you've got the means to do that to a person that's hanging around walking behind a kid. What do you No, Nothing good was coming of that. No, no nothing good was coming of that. Following while she, it's one thing if it's like, Oh, well maybe he was looking at house numbers, but getting out of your car and walking so close, you get mm-hmm. your leaves crunch. This is a McGruff, the crime dog. You know, they never saw Jenny again. Like you did the right yeah. thing. Walking to it, finding a trusted adult. Also shout out to Marjorie. She is goals. I want to be known as the wild old lady Fuck on the yeah. street with giant glasses and a slot machine and big gulp cups around her house. <laughs> I think I'm on my way. Honestly, I mean, you're not that far <laughs> off. You just basically need a slot machine. And I think you're there my mother has a slot machine in her house <gasps> so i'll just someday there, yeah, between the two of you 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 make marjorie <laughs> she currently is marjorie because i feel like she would peek out the window and if there was a kid like having a bad time she saved that kid's life when she was the lunchroom monitor that's we were true talking about, we we're talking about that at christmas pulling up like the newspaper clippings <laughs> but uh but you know like you'd be like go back there and play the slots while your dad comes and picks you mm-hmm. up like we all need marjorie's and nancy's in our neighborhood so i'm glad she was there see when you needed her but that is such a scary thing and uh, I'm glad that you're writing the story for the show prompted you to reach out and get the the Unsolved Mystery style update 15 right? or 20 years later. Which also, you know, I hope that because you said you grew up, you know, not really knowing your dad or feeling that love that maybe this healed a little inner child part of you to know right? that it is some people's love languages are just different, but your dad was not going to stand for somebody following his kid home, as none of us should. And I hope uh, blue sweatpants, first of all, what grown man goes out Yikes. and about in a f- matching sweatsuit? No. Vomit. Not even Adam Sandler. He wears nice basketball shorts and a sweater, <laughs> sweatshirt. He, he classes it up. But yeah, you're right. That's true. I uh, I hope that that you're safe now makes uh takes on a whole new meaning you know when he mm-hmm. very first said that like you it wasn't just you're safe now forget about it it's like oh baby girl i won't forget yes he was like we're getting in this car and going and finding him so i can give a description of him to my guys <laughs> and then they're gonna tail him for the next month to make sure that n- he nobody fucks with you again right don't sweat it kiddo well thank you see what is what a tale thank you I've said many times one of my biggest fears as a kid was being kidnapped, Mm -hmm. and this makes me panic to think about experiencing something like this. Just sheer terror. And I'm, you're right. Somebody was on your side, that car pulling out, just Mm -hmm. everything, you know, the light turning when you needed it to, the crosswalk. I'm very glad that this had a happy ending. And I'm glad that that guy got his ass pushed up against his uh, Taurus wagon, too, and was like, don't you fuck with C or any of the (laughs) kids around here. (laughs) Stay away from there. I was thinking that, too. You know, if if any of your kids ever get followed home, I know I'm not in the mafia, but I will follow someone and threaten them anytime. Oh, same. I am also not in the mafia, but if anybody (laughs) follows my kids home, I will also threaten them and push them up against their car. Most definitely. May we all be like C's dad, just... (laughs) Taking care of business. <laughs> T-C-O-B. Mm-hmm. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. Well, this next one is from Becky, and it is called Don't Joke in the Funeral Home. 
Hi, I just wanted to start by saying that I love the podcast and love listening to you guys every day. You get me through work, long drives, and walks with my doggo, Dallas. This is just a little quick story about my beautiful grandmother and her transition to the other side. I'm still not sure what I believe happens when you pass on, but my grandmother's passing helped give me a little peace. My grandmother lost her husband at 58 years, three years before she passed. She was diagnosed with dementia a year after he had gone. Luckily for us, my grandmother was pleasant right up until her death. My grandmother always had one funny quirk about her that made us all laugh. If you did something to upset her in any way, think joking with her, a curse word or two, she would look at you and blink her eyes at the speed of light. This comes in at the end of the story. A few days before my grandmother passed, she had what we believe was a stroke. She was no longer verbal and was sleeping 99% of the time. She had stopped eating and was just under comfort care at this point. About a day before her passing, after not talking and mostly sleeping for almost three days, we were sitting with her when she looked directly at my uncle and said, Hey, you look an awful lot like my husband. After that, it was right back to sleeping. On the night of her passing, her kids and all of us grandkids were in the hospital room with her. We were sitting around her, just being there for her in her last moments. About 30 minutes before she passed, her arm shot straight up into the air. Clear as day, she said, I'm coming. And then, I'm here. Her arm fell and she took her last breath about 30 minutes later. A few days later, we were all at the funeral home to say our goodbyes before her service. Her children and grandchildren were all there, and we had an open casket for family only to say goodbye. She looked beautiful, by the way. We were all standing there telling stories, talking about her and how she and our grandfather would be together again. My cousin, who's always been witty, told a joke that may or may not have included a curse word. As soon as he told that joke, The lights in the room we were in blinked three times fast. We stood in silence for a few seconds before my cousin said, Sorry, Nan, and we all started laughing. I miss her dearly and know she is happy up there with my grandfather again. That little sign from her really helped me get through the whole process of grieving, even though I still find myself in tears occasionally. Thank you for reading, and I hope you had a wonderful holiday. Oh, sweet Nan. She's like, Don't, I can hear you still. <laughs> I love that. I love that the whole family was there for that, too, because it is mm-hmm. like everyone kind of felt that moment of relief. Like, it's okay whether, you know, whatever whatever caused it, it's still the feeling of, like, comfort that matters. No, for sure. I know we've had like family events or whatever where we wish my grandmother could be there and she passed away in 2004, like my sister's wedding and the dance floor was empty while everyone was sitting and eating and my grandmother loved butterflies and always said, oh, when I die, I'm going to become a butterfly. And like a huge monarch butterfly was just alone flying on the dance what? floor like That's in the middle wild. of world like Mama! but so stuff like that like you know you like see yeah. in, in a big emotional event where you're kind of somebody's on your mind and you just mm-hmm. get some little you know of course a funeral is the probably the most emotional right after a passing of all and to have that kind of little t- moment right mm-hmm. there that makes you feel like they're still with you is is such a powerful thing like you said whatever causes it it, it makes us feel better and it, i'm sure it made nan feel better to be like no you can't swear just because i'm gone <laughs> yeah not especially not here uh yes i, yeah, I love it i love that so Anytime, yeah. and as far as grieving you are correct it is a process and it ebbs and flows i mean my dad oh, yeah. passed in 2014 and you know there are still times where something just hits here or it's a certain mm-hmm. time of the year a song comes on or whatever and you just like the tears come and when they do just let it happen. Don't fight it. Just let it happen because that's just your body's way of, you know, continuing to heal. 
That's a good way to put it. Don't fight it. Because I've had that where something will come up and I'll, you know, I think about my dad or whatever. Or the other day I was thinking about my Aunt Darlene who passed like right almost right after my dad, just a month or two later. And uh, I just got really choked up and just started talking about her and this, you know, something that she had taught me. And I just got really emotional. And I was like, I'm sorry. And Paris was like, you don't have to be sorry. Like, I want to hear about her. So yeah. sharing your your Nan's story, Becky, is another way to keep her her memory alive. And now so many more people that never knew about Nan knows about her and knows that she's, that she's still blinking even in the uh, even in the great <laughs> beyond. <laughs> I once read something that said, or maybe it was um, like a TikTok from a therapist or something. Oh, you know what? It was my therapist who said this. <laughs> like, never feel like you have to apologize for getting emotional. Um, yeah. This was he was speaking about a specific thing that I was going to be doing. But, you know, if you, I think there's a lot of power in that. If you're talking about something that makes you emotional, it's our inclination to be like, I'm so sorry and apologize for showing sadness or grief or whatever, because, you know, we're like, Oh, I don't want to make the other person feel uncomfortable. But I think there's a lot of power in not apologizing and just owning it and being like, I'm emotional right now. Just give me a few minutes mm -hmm. and then I can continue, you know, and that way yeah. it helps normalize that these are valid emotions and we shouldn't hide them away or, you know, feel shame for expressing them because they're some of the most honest and real emotions we have. No, that's true. Especially, I don't know why we we apologize when we cry about someone that we lost. And it's like, yeah. I've done that where I'm like crying about my dad who died. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry. And it's like, if I was, you know, we are all yeah. allowed to react however you want to for a death, but it's not unreasonable to cry. You know, it's also no. not unreasonable to be happy when someone dies. Frankly, I think we don't celebrate the death of shitty people enough. But, what you know, it's like whatever. <laughs> or a sense of relief. That's yes. another thing that my yeah. therapist and I talked about is, you know, it's very common for people, especially if they have been in hospice or something that there is that sense of relief. And a lot of times we feel guilt about that, mm -hmm. but it is very common. And the more that those things are discussed and the more it's normalized and people don't feel so alone or isolated in these moments and feelings they have in some of the darkest times of their life that they're like, okay, this is a, a typical reaction. I'm not a monster yeah. for feeling like this. No, for sure. And especially if your two people experience somebody's death, it's not even the same way because it's two different oh, people, absolutely. you know, and especially mm -hmm. relationships are different. Even two kids are, can a, a, a react to a parent's death differently, especially a grandparent when you have absolutely. that much extended family and stuff like that. So uh, you're right. Making it clear of saying like, and also if you're relieved by something, it doesn't also mean you're not sad. So for sure. So yeah, don't Becky, I love to hear that, that having her around or feeling like a little sign helps you get through the grieving process, but it is a lifelong process. You know, we never forget the people we loved. I remember even my grandmother talking about her sister died in the 60s and she was telling me about that in the 90s and like telling mm -hmm. joyful stories about her sister and crying about it sometimes. And that's that's not crazy that she misses her sister, you know, or no. her husband or whatever. So I love that. I love that, that, that people continue it. to talk about them. Like we say, you know, you die twice. Mm -hmm. The first time your physical body. And then the last time somebody speaks your name. So we got to keep these stories going. And guess what? This is all recorded. So now Nan's <laughs> story is out there forever. When Nobody the can ever destroy this because it's on the internet and you can't destroy the internet. It's a, well, yeah, we, we, we all know firsthand you can't destroy the internet. <laughs> yeah. Screenshots and recordings are forever. And when the aliens come up from their underwater bases and take our, uh, they already are listening because I think the cords are underwater. So even yeah. they know this wonderful story, Becky. So thank you for sharing it with us and letting us share it with everybody else. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. This next one is from Megan, and the subject line is Haunted Doll Curator by Day, Paranormal Tour Guide by Night. Hi, Christy and Heather. My name is Megan, and I have a little story about a man that I think you'll love. First, of course, I have to say how much I love y'all. I took a break from podcasts for a while and recently started listening to you two again, and I'm so glad to have made my way back. I was just listening to Freaky Friday, episode 83, with Mike and Alex from Chiluminati. Y'all joked about people making and selling haunted dolls, and it reminded me of this character of a man. Allow me to set the scene. 
Near my hometown in Missouri, there is a city called St. Charles that has a small historical downtown area, famous for being the starting point of Lewis and Clark's journey, usually referred to as Old St. Charles. The streets are still cobblestone, and a good handful of the buildings are original to the town's founding, or from a couple decades after. As you can imagine, this place is haunted as shit. In 7th or 8th grade, I heard about these ghost tours in Old St. Charles, and asked to go with my friends for my birthday, which is in October, so, you know, tis the season. My wonderful parents obliged and dropped me and my best friends off on one cool autumn night in front of the Historical Society building, where the tour began. Nothing could prepare us for meeting our tour guide. Imagine if Doc Brown and Danny DeVito had a child, and this child drove a minivan with a skeleton in the passenger seat. His name? Michael A. Henry. Automatically, we were obsessed. The tour was amazing. I was so enamored with his storytelling and his ability to make small anomalies feel like big, supernatural moments. Years later, now a senior in high school, I dragged another group of friends on this tour for my birthday. We were a large group, probably around 10 people, so there was only one other couple in the tour group. To my delight, Michael was our tour guide again. As we went through the tour, we asked a lot of questions, made jokes, and just had fun. The couple dropped off at a restaurant or a bar at some point. They probably had enough of our shenanigans. But Michael was eating it up. At the end of the tour, he told us that we reminded him why he does these tours. Tear. He also let us in on his side hustle. To make a couple hundred extra bucks or every so often, he would go to Goodwill or Salvation Army or some dirt-cheap rural Missouri antique store and buy porcelain or rag dolls, usually at a couple of dollars a pop. He would then chain them to his backyard fence and leave them outside for about two weeks. He would give them a name and a backstory and list them as haunted dolls on eBay. People, idiots in his words, would buy these, quote, haunted dolls for like $250. Again, we were obsessed. Senior year of college, I dragged yet another group of friends on this tour. Again, it was delightful, and I even took a picture Michael dubbed inexplicable attached. Look for the little wisp near the orange sign. Though I did leave this tour a little perturbed because he told us that this group reminded him why he gave these tours. There was nothing special about this group. Apparently, he just says this to all the groups. This happened two years ago, and I still feel betrayed by this realization. He has slowed down quite a bit. I think he's in his 70s, and the tours are getting harder to do. I hope one day someone steps up to carry on his torch. He is still kicking, though, so if you live in the area or are ever visiting St. Louis, I highly recommend going to Old St. Charles for the St. Charles Ghost Tour. He also has a book about the hauntings of Old St. Charles that he sells out of the back of his minivan with a skeletal passenger after his tours. It's called The Ghosts of St. Charles by Michael A. Henry, and you can also buy it on his website, Amazon, or through Main Street Books, the local bookstore. Thank you to both of you and Alex and Mike from Chiluminati for reminding me of this gem of a man. Keep it creepy and maybe don't spend $200 on a haunted eBay doll. Best, Megan. Well, thank you, Megan, for that story and for sending this picture. I'm seeing an orange sign in the left quadrant of the picture and a little wisp that looks like a Mm -hmm. light anomaly or an orb or something. So if I'm saying if Michael Henry says you caught something you caught something (laughs) listen if someone that resembles doc brown and danny devito they had a child and then that child drove a minivan with a skeleton in the passenger seat (laughs) how do we become best friends with michael a henry we've got to tell the tour people whenever we are main or agents or whoever's planning our tour for 2024 if we don't go to st louis it's off. The tour's off because I <laughs> want to go meet Michael A. Henry. <laughs> we more, have I couldn't want to meet him more in my life. Uh, I love this. And uh, I love that you're, Megan was like wanting to go back every year. Like I know that feeling of like, oh my gosh, this was so fun. I have to take my friends. Oh yeah. If we go back to Salem, I want to go on another tour with the guide that we had there. Dr. Nicodemus Watley. <laughs> 
I never can remember his name and you always do. So thank you. <laughs> I can never forget his name. But seriously, when you have a tour guide that's so into what you're talking about and so excited about it, it is a game changer. It makes such a difference. And it's cool because it also gets other people excited about, you know, the paranormal or at mm-hmm. the very least history and preserving a really historical place. I think oftentimes we kind of see like, oh, there's paranormal tours, ha ha ha. But it does help serve the idea of bringing up stories from the past and also not destroying that history so that people can go back and go on those tours. Um, so I'm, what I'm saying is that Michael A. Henry and all paranormal tour guides are single-handedly saving the history of America right now. <laughs> but seriously, They're making it, it fun, for sure. Yeah, to make yeah. it fun. Like, people want to go and care about it, stuff like that. So, yeah. What a grift to buy these dolls and then part of the process which i assume is to dirty them up is to chain them to his fence so somewhere wherever michael a henry lee lives there's just a bunch of porcelain dolls like zip tied to his chain link fence and <laughs> and people see that and they're what? like what the fuck and then sometimes those dolls are gone oh they're like, always where gone. the dolls go yeah they're always gone. somebody bought it for 200 bucks and he likes to think that he's like, oh, these aren't really haunted. Those dolls have been chained out in the elements for two weeks, <laughs> unable to move. And I'm going to say they probably are haunted after that. Yeah, well, he's playing both sides. He's not going to tell Megan and her friends, like, listen, I find souls. I get them in these dolls. I sell them to people. <laughs> but uh, he's just like, oh, it's a silly grift. <laughs> don't look too much into these dolls. But on the flip side, if you don't have to have like ADT or simply safe for any kind of an alarm system True. because no one's going to break into your house no. when you have a bunch of dolls hooked up to the outside no. of it. They're like, whatever's <laughs> in there, I don't need it. I'm okay. And if you do want it, check eBay in two weeks and you can buy it for $250. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Megan. What? Uh, we got to go. We got to go. Oh, for sure. Yes, definitely. Well, this next one is from Christina. And the subject line is, never meet someone on Craigslist without telling anyone where you are going. Hi, y'all. I love your podcast so much and have been a longtime listener. I truly feel like I'm driving with friends when listening to Sinisterhood on long road trips or just a trip to the grocery store. I have a bunch of stories I could submit, like the time my dad thought he caught the son of Sam back in the 70s, or a creepy customer at the pizzeria I worked at. But I was inspired by a recent listener submission to write this one in. I won't tell you which one for the sake of the story. So, let's get into it. I want to start by setting the scene. It's the summer of 2005, and I had just turned 12 years old. The nation was captivated by the story of missing teen Natalie Holloway, and my mom and I would watch news coverage of the search every night. I would like to think this is one of the defining moments in my obsession with true crime. Anyways, my dad had been looking to purchase a boat and had found someone who was selling one a few towns over on Craigslist. It was around 8 p.m., and my dad told me and my mom he was going to meet this man and they were going to take the boat out for a ride. My very cautious mom told my dad to give her the man's name and address and where they're meeting in case something happens. My dad laughed, said she was being silly and not to worry, and left. It was around 10.30 p.m. when me and my mom started to worry about where my dad could be. Now, let me say this. My mom is a lot of wonderful things, but she is not the kind of person to keep her composure in the face of tragedy or if things go wrong. She spirals fast. My mom decided to call his cell phone, but didn't get an answer. She called again and again and again. At this point, she was visibly worried. Around 11 p.m., the phone rang, and she saw it was my dad's number. Hello, John? In a raspy voice came the reply, Help, Anne, I've been kidnapped. I'm tied up, and they beat me badly. They're going to call back for ransom. Click. The phone goes dead. To this day, I have never seen my mom so hysterical in her life. She let out a blood-curdling scream and threw herself across the bed, screaming, Your father has been kidnapped! Well, of course, I do what any 12-year-old would do and start screaming and crying as well. Full-on hysteria ensued. It must have been only 30 seconds, but it felt like forever. With that, we heard the phone ring again. My mom dove across the bed to pick it up, screaming, Hello? John? What's happening? And... It's my dad, laughing, but also having to scream over my mom, who is still hysterical, and me crying in the background. Anne, Anne, it was just a joke. I was kidding. 
With that, my mom snapped out of her state and unleashed a string of curse words that rivals many I've heard to this day. When my dad walked through the door a few minutes later, she was still fuming, but I think she was too relieved that he was okay to stay mad for long. In my dad's defense, he was, and still is, well known for playing phone pranks, and he thought that my mom would have known that he was kidding. Thinking back on this, I suppose it could have been traumatizing for a little kid, but luckily enough, we still laugh about it to this day. Sometimes I still do the reenactment of my mom answering the phone. Well, there you have it. I hope you guys got a good laugh over this, but also never meet someone on Craigslist without letting someone know who you're meeting and where. And no, he did not end up buying the boat. Much love, Christina. I oh, no. gotta say, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> the rate at which I would have a divorce lawyer on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice. I was just gonna be like, he comes to the door, I'll choke him to death. It's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it would look like maybe not to death, but it would look like Homer Simpson choking Bart Simpson in yes. the cartoon. Just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, uh, Tommy would never do this though because he knows how scared I would be and how much anxiety I have about things like this. But I'm glad your mom was able to find it in her heart to forgive him, but he absolutely deserved whatever curse words yeah. came his way. <laughs> Every swear word possible, for sure. Yeah, Paris will do things like he'll say, oh, I thought about telling you X to freak you out, but I did. Like, he'll just tell me his joking idea. Uh, but yeah, this was early Craigslist days, too. I mean, relatively early Craigslist days. So it was, I mean, not that Craigslist is any better now. It's still the Wild West. So it is wild <laughs> to just be like, yeah, there's a guy who's going to take me out on a boat in the dark. <laughs> like, yeah, what? yeah. You're like, what, where, what, what? Oh, no. Yeah. This and oh, the, um, he fell out of the train for the, on the Thunder Mountain Railroad. <laughs> yes, Man. yes. I imagine Dad that's the think inspo. they're so funny when it comes to just traumatizing their wives and other children. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. It's like, uh, I'll get him. Let me get him with this. My dad was like a fun prankster. Never anything like this, but he, uh, like at the state fair, there's a famous story where it was like the heating windows and he stood between them and when the light, like the, just to show you how good these storm windows are, heat lamps would come on and as the heat lamp came on, he went <gasps> like he was getting electrocuted and the lady that worked there was like, <gasps> and he just said, I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. I was just messing with That's my family. Fun. Yeah, That's so fun. a little quick, but she for a moment thought he had been yeah, I mean, for that moment, it wasn't fun for her. But oh, very quickly, you know, it yes. was it was resolved. Yeah, things like that are very and fun also, and cute. She didn't. I mean, yeah. If now, if a customer dies on her watch, does that suck? Absolutely. But it's not <laughs> like she has, you know, a whole lifetime invested with this person. That's true. Counterpoint: If a customer dies on their watch, then the windows weren't that strong to begin with. You shouldn't be true. selling them at the state fair. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to go back and troubleshoot that. <laughs> but Christina's dad is lucky that mom didn't just hang up and just call 911 and be like, my husband's been kidnapped. Right? He called me on the other line, Trace's cell phone. And then it's like, I was kidding. Because you then have made a false police report. Yeah. But at it, what you thought was real. So then I'm like, yeah. well, guess what? You get to go down to the station and explain all of this. <laughs> yeah. You tell the officers that you're just fine from your Craigslist boat run. <laughs> well, thank you, Christina. Sinisterhood. We'll be right back. Okay, this last one is from Mandy, and the subject line is, We think we found a long-lost relative on The Bachelor. Hello, ladies. I recently discovered your podcast via National Park After Dark and love it. Your banter is great, and your stories are so intriguing. My story is about a long-lost relative, as the title says. I'm going to keep the details a bit vague. My great-grandfather came over from Europe in the early 1900s. They even went through Ellis Island. When my great-grandfather came across, he came with two brothers. He and one of the brothers settled in the Northeast. The other brother moved out West and was never heard from again. Not surprisingly, it was the early 1900s. You couldn't exactly follow him on Facebook. Fast forward to the 2000s, and a new show called The Bachelor comes out. In one of the early seasons, there was a bachelor with my mom's maiden name. We were all shocked. We had never met or even heard of another person with that last name, let alone one on national TV. Due to only having daughters, the last name has kind of been lost along the way. Even Googling the name today only gives you a handful of people. We suspect that this bachelor is the grandson of that lost brother, and technically, in my mother's generation. 
He's from the same area where the brother was rumored to be, and my mom says the bachelor even looks like my grandfather. She also said the bachelor looks like my brother, but I'm not sure if it's because we're related or just likely have similar heritage. Even if we're not related, our relatives are from the same country slash region due to this very uncommon last name. Since then, I've tried to find out if he is indeed related to us, doing everything short of reaching out to him. I've used Ancestry.com and other databases, but wasn't able to find anything about the other brother. It's too far back, and with just online documents and whatever other people have uploaded, there wasn't enough information. I've never reached out to him, and at the time, we thought it would be too much or too weird. The Bachelor was a new show, so he was relatively famous at the time. Also, I was 12, so there wasn't much I could do on my own, and the TV show wasn't exactly giving out his address. So, what do you think, ladies? Should we reach out to my potential long-lost relative and see if we are indeed related? I think I give him yeah. the rose. Yeah, give him the rose of family ship. Yeah. <laughs> give him the rose give from him the family. Rose. Yeah, give him that rose. <laughs> I mean, there's. it's not like you like want anything from him. It's just yeah. like, hey, you have a weird last name. We have a weird last name. Worst case scenario, you're not related. But what if Best you are? Best case, you find your cousin? Is that yeah. who that would be to her? Yeah. I guess yeah. mom's cousin, yeah, like long lost cousin. That'd be so cool. Find out what I, happened to the brother that moved out west. Yeah, I think at this point, you know, I mean, with social media and everything, especially if he was on The Bachelor, I'm sure he has an online presence. You could DM him on Instagram, Facebook, and just kind of explain the situation. Just send him a link to this episode. Yeah, yeah. Where we're like, hey. <laughs> You should accept this rose. <laughs> he's like, you're just like, just listen to, well, you know what? Listen to all the stories to get the context. <laughs> and he's going to be like, why am I listening to this? But wait till you get to episode or to story six. Bam. There's your answer right there. So if you're listening, original bachelor or whatever, early season bachelor with the weird last name, accept that DM, go into your request right now in case you're, you were, if you're ever on the bachelor, go look in your DM request right now. Cause you might have a long lost family member trying to find so- you. The Bachelor is the main guy. Yes. Okay. Because the Bachelorette would be, there's a bunch of guys vying for her love. That was I was thinking that. So I was like, oh, there's a bunch of like men. But okay. Yeah. Then it's, I think it would be even easier to find him if he was one of the Bachelors for sure. Yeah. And if he is still, you know, if he parlayed his bachelor fame into something else, maybe he has an agent or a manager or something listed on his website. Or sometimes mm-hmm. you can Google, like, representation for so-and-so and reach out to their representation who will then reach out to him. Have your people call his people. He may not have found love, but he may have found a new family. <laughs> then it's a new show called The Bachelor Reunited, and it's where people who were once on reality shows were found by long-lost relatives, thus creating a new reality show. So what? we solved it. What a what a complicated yet compelling uh, pitch for uh, those executives. <laughs> you hear that, ABC? Our phone lines are open. I think uh, it's yeah. great. I don't think there's any harm in it. You know, yeah. I, I, at the very least, he's like, no, weirdo. And, yeah. you know, doesn't reply or is just like, no. But even that, like, that didn't hurt anything. You have an answer, at least. At the best case scenario, you find a long lost relative and maybe get some answers about some stuff. Right. And maybe he's been wondering where his grandfather came from. And that last, mm-hmm. you know, people have said, that's a real unusual last name. Where does that come from? It's like, I don't know. It's my grandpa's on Ellis Island, but I don't know much more past that. Like, it might be cool for him to look into his heritage. So you might be giving him a lovely gift. So yeah, like Christy said, no harm. I say do it and update us. I want to hear an FF yes. update with uh, y'all have connected and like I said, you handed him the rose in person. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone would want to hear that update. So if you do reach out well, and send us that update, and then we'll update everybody else. We love a good update. Yeah, for sure. So, and that goes for any of you who have sent Freaky Friday stories in the past. If there's an update, please let us know, and we will uh, share that on a future episode for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody, for sending in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. 2024 is going to be the year someone meets Bigfoot. I know it. <laughs> oh, it's going to happen. We're going to get a 2024 is the year Bigfoot himself writes in. <laughs> we get an actual submission from the Bigfoot himself. It's happening. It's happening. 
Well, if you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of bonus content. What have we recently put up there, Heather? Uh, we have a recent true crime headlines we put up. We always have a, a back catalog of all of our live streams, live Q&As, and we have an upcoming Judge Christie to be our final bonus content of the year. So y'all better listen for the bang of the two gavels over on <laughs> Patreon for these uh, listener-submitted grievances for the uh, Honorable Judge. I love it. Yeah, the true crime headlines, we do an update on the Idaho murders case, Gypsy Rose getting out of prison, as well as Epstein. There's some documents that are to be released soon. We also covered the the witch hunt in Hanover, Pennsylvania. So yes. a fascinating story about uh, everything from constitutional rights to witchcraft to uh, can you record the police when they're hassling you in your own business. To a new shop that we all need to support. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, you can also head to SinisterHood.com, click shop on the top banner to check out Sinisterhood merch, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. And Patreon supporters get 10 and 20% off, uh, depending on what tier you're on. So make sure to check out the pin post on Patreon to get your discount code uh, that's good on our online shop all year round, uh, unless otherwise noted. While you're on our website, you can also review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode description. You'll find fun things like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Head over to our YouTube channel where you can watch video versions of our Freaky Friday interviews, clips from our Q&As over on Patreon, and full video episodes of our Wednesday episodes. They drop free and first and ad-free over on Patreon, and then they drop on on YouTube a few days later. So make sure you're subscribed and turn on those notifications so you know when they come out. And don't forget to follow us on TikTok for all of the silly fun videos that Paris makes for us with like things like a spirit penis floating by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can also book us on Cameo. Speaking of videos, to get a custom video shout out, cameo.com and search Sinisterhood. And uh, we'll personalize hello, happy birthday, happy new year, whatever you want over on Cameo. Christy, where are you at? I'm on Instagram at Christy and Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? Pretty much everywhere at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. And keep it creepy. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. <laughs>